This talk is supported by SmallPDF, the successful Swiss scale-up making PDF easy for over a billion people around the world since 2013. You may remember them from a previous podcast we hosted with their CEO, Dennis Just. Their mission is to make PDFs and life easy for people across the world, a mission made possible with their 90-plus amazing employees across Zurich, Belgrade and Barcelona. If you want to join this fast-growing Swiss scale-up, visit smallpdf.com forward slash Swisspreneur and apply. Gin and tonic costs maybe in Zurich 14 francs and then an alcohol-free one should be 12 francs or something. It was always 10, 20%. Uh, cheaper. However, the production uh, is actually much more complicated. It, it, it does um, take more effort. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Christoph, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for the invite. It's very nice to be here. You are the co-founder and CEO at Rebels, a non-alcoholic spirits manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And before you actually joined the startup world, you studied economics and business administration and then went to work for big corporates like Unilever, Linton Sprüngli. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how did this corporate experience, this corporate world shape you as a person? Well, it was a long time. I worked there, and actually, when I when I finished my university in 2004, I think it was for me it was clear that I want to join a big, big fast mover consumer goods with with cool brands, and I was fascinated by the brands and the marketing, uh, and it was very clear that I joined them, uh, and and I learned a lot. I think it's a good school. It's a great marketing school. It's a great uh, school to learn how to deal with consumers and so on, and how to shape brands. Uh, at a certain point, uh, I noticed that I want to do my own thing. I want to do, be not restricted through politics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I then decided to do my own startup. And you also actually did a sabbatical back mm-hmm. in 2019. Mm-hmm. Was the corporate world sort of breaking you that this was necessary? <laughs> no, not at all. But I think... I, I really wanted to make a clear cut, so I, I, I left uh, at that time my chocolate job uh, at Linda Springley, and, and, and at that time I, I was not sure, sure what I wanted to do. So I was exploring different routes. I thought it's a good idea to, to uh, go on a spiritual walk. Uh, it was, I thought, uh, three, four weeks I was on the way through Spain, and I, was really, I had a, a, lot, a lot and enough time to think about it and talk to interesting people. Yeah, you, yeah, you actually yeah. walked the Camino de Santiago, yeah. the famous okay. one. Yeah. What did you experience there? How did that also, what impact did that have on you as a person? It's, 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 it's a fascinating walk. So basically, uh, the only to-do you have in the morning is to get up and follow the arrows the, or the, 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 the signs, basically, yeah. towards San, uh, Santiago. Uh, and, and so you have a lot of capacity in your brain and uh, to think about other things and, and, and explore routes and, and also to, to meet other people who maybe are, have, the different, uh, have, have similar experiences or totally different ones. Very mm-hmm. inspiring at the end, yeah. Were there some things that, you know, came to your mind or that you experienced that were surprising to you? Um, I don't necessarily remember a particular one, but it was the whole experience was very fulfilling uh, and it probably will be in my heart for, for, for a long time, if not forever. Uh, right. And I met uh, people 
who actually, actually one of them uh, gave me a hint towards the, what I'm doing now. So it was that this category which I'm uh, doing now uh, was first, I heard about it the first time on the Santiago. So it really Camino. did have a lasting yeah. effect, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah. So it was also for that reason, it was good that I did it at the end. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that you then really had this desire to start your own company. Yeah, yeah. Where does that entrepreneurial drive come from? Do you have any entrepreneurs in the family or why was the, you know, the desire so strong mm -hmm. to start your own venture? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, uh, not necessarily that I have in my family a, a clear entrepreneurship uh, background, um, but I think I want, just wanted to try it. I, somehow I had in mind I want to do it, I want to try it. I was not sure if I can do it, if, if I'm the one who, who succeeds. Right. But I'm very much into um, the saying that uh, you should try it and then you find out uh, and you will regret if you haven't tried it. And, and that's why I gave, it a, uh, I gave it a chance and uh, never regretted it so far. Fantastic. Yeah. And I can imagine with your positions that you had, you know, in the, in the corporate world, there you also get very, you know, decently paid for, for mm -hmm. your services, mm -hmm. for your time. That is a bit of a different story when you then start your own company, because then you yes. basically have to invest was that mentally or also, you know, financially a, a challenge for you? Because I can imagine you do have to also adapt your lifestyle, etc. Yeah, you need to. I mean, you need to want that. Uh, I, I was never really driven by money. Uh, of course, it's, it's more comfortable to have some money aside. And it also helped me uh, to, to have some decent time to invest in, in, in basically in, in, in building a startup. But I, I made myself a financial plan. How long can I survive without any earning anything that gave me a bit of peace of mind? And, and the rest is just I knew the, I, I can always go back uh, if, if I fail. Stupid, stupid words, but, word, but uh, if I fail, then sure. I can go, go back and I learned a lot. Uh, I never really thought it's a big risk I'm taking here. Uh, and uh, yeah, at a certain point you will earn some money, but not as much as before, that's true. <laughs> I actually like that sentence that you cannot fail, that it's actually, you know, it's not a big risk that you're taking. Mm. You know, that's sort of a mind game. Do you think that this is particularly true for Switzerland? Because we live in such you know, yep. a high quality life. I, I, I don't know how it is in other countries, but I, I think yes. So I... When I thought about what can happen, I always thought, well, what can happen in Switzerland? I mean, yeah. we are so much protected by so many levels yeah. that, uh, and, and then you also have your family. Uh, so True. yes, I didn't think that I took a big of a risk. Nevertheless, uh, a lot of friends said, uh, wow, that's, that's, quite a, a co uh, uh, that's quite a risk you're taking here and you leave behind quite a, quite a lot. And I thought, no, let's try it. Let's I like and, that. and the opportunity is, is then, uh, on the other hand, also much bigger. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. The upside could be big, could also be not big. High risk, high reward, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you mentioned also that you had certain money on the bank account mm -hmm. to live for a period without salary. How long was that period that you were aiming for there? Yeah, it's uh, I, it takes probably longer than I expected. Right. I, I, I had to reduce a bit my lifestyle. I, I went to a, a cheaper apartment. Uh, so that made me uh, to survive uh, more than a year, uh, yeah. and, and uh, that's, that's probably also necessary. Um, yeah. 
And then you need to find other ways how to maybe get some money in between some man mandates or something. Uh, there's always uh, also interesting to, to find some some opportunities to get some money. Absolutely. Aside, yeah. But then you, you would say that a bit one, like one year or a bit longer than that would be a good starting point yeah, to yeah. not need a salary to get started yeah. if you have this opportunity, of course. Yeah. And, and then, if, I mean, everyone has different, uh, uh, let's say, uh, possibilities or opportunities. I had mm -hmm. some money aside. It's good, but not that much. But but. Yeah. But but if if you don't have money, then there's other ways. I mean, sure, we might might uh, talk about it later. But a crowdfunding campaign or other things, yeah. other other little uh, uh, family friends fools uh, that there will be opportunities or possibilities to get some money also. Hundred percent. Yeah. So then it was actually in 2020 when you then co-founded Rebels together with Yannick Planzer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So first of all, where did you and Yannick meet for the first time? Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was not at the party one would expect, or at, the, <laughs> at the, no. Actually, it was uh, fascinating. I, I didn't know him before. Mm -hmm. I did a network meeting, one of uh, a lot of network meetings, a startup network meeting. Uh, actually, it was a Zoom call at that time because it mm -hmm. was already the beginning of COVID. Uh, and I did uh, talk with someone and I talked about, ah, I need a co-founder. Are you potentially be interested? And yeah, no, I do some other stuff, but I have a friend, which I worked together at Diageo before. So, ah, cool, cool. Okay, I, I will tell, let him know. And at the same, almost at the same time, I did an interview, a consumer inter interviews, uh, interview, one of many. Uh, and then uh, the, the, this person had a partner who knew also Yannick. So from two okay. sides... It's almost like uh, destiny somehow. It's a bit cheesy, but uh, it gave me a good feeling. And then yeah. we, we, we met each other and we, cl we clicked. If you yeah. don't know each other and you meet for the first time, how do you then actually decide whether you're a good fit to start a company together? But that's also quite a, a big risk that you're taking. Yeah, I mean, it just probably you need to take your time to find out both sides. Um, oh. uh, meet on eye level and, and, and then just uh, do different things. We... we First met through, the, through a Zoom, then through a, uh, we did a workshop together. We started to work a bit together. I started to discuss financials also, shares. Sure. Uh, it's also an important thing uh, that you, you sort of uh, find out if, if you have the same uh, view on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, just start. Uh, and it, it was luck. At the end, it is a bit luck that you meet the right person and that you right. com complement each other, but also sort of our like-minded, but not, also not too much. I mean, it's always, a, should you meet, the, should you found the company with the, the very same person or should it be totally different? For, for us, it's probably a bit of a mix. Yeah, yeah, probably somewhere yeah, in between, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wonder, you know, in, in that regard, talking about shares etc was that very clear because you've already been working a bit on, on that idea mm -hmm. did you then just do the 50-50 traditional split or did you also have a bit of a different negotiation there it was a different negotiation it was a different uh, we, we tried to find uh, different ways how to calculate that uh, respecting that I invested already quite a lot in, in time and in mm -hmm. money or opportunity costs but also uh, respecting that he brings a lot on the table. Uh, right. And we started with the low share, not 50-50 low share. Uh, and at a certain point after uh, he was working together with me already quite a long time, we, we did uh, another, uh, an increase of share. Okay, the, yeah. perfect. And uh, I think that's an important uh, negotiation. Yeah, the end is a negotiation, but it's an important discussion that everyone is happy at the end. Uh, and and uh, that you... 
potentially protect each other from from uh, any uh, arguing at the at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. Now you know whether it's negotiation or just finding the right co-founder, seeing if it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. How, how do you actually realize that? Is it really this this gut feeling at the end where you say, "Well, I, I think this is a good fit. This can work," mm-hmm. or is there probably not? But is, is there any hard science behind it that you applied? So I have a gut feeling. I believe a lot in gut feeling because mm-hmm. it's it's nurtured by experience and 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 uh, and, and, and many things. So uh, you need to listen to your your stomach at the end. Uh, uh, and that was from the beginning very, very good uh, and kept on being very good. But then you need to also test each other. Uh, I guess he tested me as well. I, uh, maybe <laughs> actually we didn't really talk about that. But uh, yeah, uh, you need to talk about vesting. You need to talk about what the, how, how much risk he wants to take. Would he, yeah. Is it important for him or the co-founder or, or not that important? Is it a side project or is he, f- is he f- fully committed? Sure. That you need to find out with uh, with discussion. Uh, we were always very transparent with each other, mm-hmm. uh, and that I think that's key. That you don't uh, sugarcoat anything. Exactly. <laughs> so let's also come back to the rebels idea. You mm-hmm. mentioned you got the first hint about this idea mm-hmm. on your walk path, basically. Yeah, yeah. What happened afterwards? How did you really come up with the idea to then build a company around that? I mean. I was from the beginning very fascinated about the topic, so I heard about alcohol-free gin, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, like probably most people, I think, what, 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 how stupid is that? <laughs> That's the whole point you know, of gin is the of alcohol. Course, yeah. But but uh, very soon, uh, and I had time to reflect. I thought hey, that's 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 very. Very, uh, very, very good idea because there are moments when you don't uh, want to drink alcohol, cannot, mm-hmm. and and uh, and the, the, more, the older you get, the hangover the, gets worse, and, and and so on, and and also when when I then later talk to people, I, I notice that it's very polarizing, which mm-hmm. is very a great starting point for building a brand that you can. Uh, you, that's why we're called rebels because there's some uh, yeah. there's a rebellion still going on, a revolution going on. So people talk about you, whether good or bad, whether yeah. they agree or not. People talk about you, and that's the perfect yeah. starting point. Exactly, and and, and that's uh, alcohol without alcohol uh, <laughs> sounds for stupid, but then even with the hardcore um, whiskey gin lovers, uh, mm-hmm. you find the common ground if you if you again meet each other on an eye level and sort of say. We're not against alcohol. It's just that we are an alternative. It's not a replacement. It's an alternative. And, yeah. and, and then uh, it gets interesting. Yeah. And then actually the timing is also a critical part, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see any shifts in the market that mm-hmm. the timing in 2020 was actually right to start Rebels? Or was it more about your own need and this, the whole story that you just explained that led yeah. you to the foundation in 2020? I think it was a, a good timing, but uh, um, I... It, it was, but it was also important that uh, we speed up and still uh, we, are, we are very much into trying to accelerate things. Because in Switzerland, probably it was a, almost a perfect timing because there was some sort of uh, pre-work done already by, by international brands. Yeah. Uh, at right January already existed somehow and, and so on and so on. Uh, so we didn't have to explain to every, each and everyone what 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 we what we're doing. Uh, but but interestingly, that a year later, now almost two, two years later, uh, we, we hardly ever have to explain uh, why this makes sense or what what we're doing. And, and that's, that's that's the awareness, uh, the, the increasing awareness part and the education part is still going on, mm-hmm. but not from from zero. And that's a good. And it's also great if you look at the market numbers, the general, the global alcohol mm-hmm. consumption is actually declining, especially at the younger generations. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. 
that is actually really playing right in that yeah. field. So they do want to have fun. They do want to drink a nice drink, yeah. but not necessarily alcohol. So yeah. what is your offering there? What, what are your exact products that you offer today? So we're offering uh, gin, rum and aperitif alternatives uh, so far. This was a, is our first range. We, we, we are trying to, to bring uh, spirits alternatives to the market with, with which you can do your drinks, with your favorite drinks, cocktails, long drinks, uh, just without the alcohol. You actually can even mix them with, with a bit of alcohol, uh, like a, an sure. alcohol-free aperitif, and then uh, use a, a Prosecco with alcohol, have a low alcohol version. So it's, it's, it's your choice at the end. But uh, we always were uh, driven by the, 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 the world of the cocktails and long drinks and wanted mm-hmm. to uh, give uh, uh, tools, basically, or our spirits to, to mix them. And still, your drinks, they don't contain, but they still mm-hmm. taste a bit like mm-hmm. alcohol. How do you make that happen? Because that's quite a challenge, I could imagine. Well, that's probably the biggest challenge. And it took also uh, yeah, about a year to develop the products. Uh, uh, of course, we first to try to find out how potentially others do it. But there's no clear re- recipe. There's no <laughs> nothing really to look up yeah. uh, apart from marketing languages or so. Uh, uh, so we need to uh, do trial and error. We need to uh, try different things. We tried maceration, we tried uh, distillation, we tried different uh, distillation methods until we then found that in our case, uh, 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 distilling it twice, uh, Mm -hmm. call it double distillation, makes it more complex, longer lasting and and, and closer to the classics uh, than probably other uh, brands. Is that development process also something that gives you an unfair advantage over other brands? Like, is that something that you could also potentially patent or have you know, more of a protection yeah. against other brands that cannot do it the same way as you do it. I know this is it's not from today to tomorrow that you can just do it. Uh, right. and, uh, so, so it takes a bit of time. Also, big, big companies are coming on the on the market now with their products, but it but but it uh, also for them it took time. Uh, and so that's that's an advantage mm-hmm. to patent it. Uh, not necessarily uh, because uh, we're using common distillation methods and just combining them in the right way. Uh, with the right uh, ingredients. Uh, we also need, didn't really do a big effort to try to patent something because at the end, if you patent something, there's also a recipe on the market and someone True. can yeah. somehow copy it. Uh, no, it's about building a brand. It's about uh, trying to, to have a specific ingredients or specific way of doing and then and convince people in that way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And your production process actually does take place here in Switzerland. Mm-hmm, yeah. Why is that the, the right setup for you? Isn't that way more expensive than doing it somewhere else? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, at the end, we are from Switzerland and, and we, we, we are uh, one of our, or it, for us, it's important that we do things sustainable, as sustainable as possible. So that's why we use organic botanicals, for example. And, and the regional factor is also, uh, also from the beginning an important factor. Uh, Besides that, when you prototype and they do the first trials and so on, you probably start better in your surrounding, especially during COVID times. Sure. <laughs> uh, by the way, COVID, COVID of course, uh, made it even clearer that we need to do it local for uh, at least first and, 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 uh, and the health consciousness increased. So it was actually not bad for, for, for developing the, the right mix at the end. We hope you're enjoying the episode. If you're an entrepreneur looking to raise your first round and would like to learn more about the fundraising process, check out our free fundraising masterclass with Pascal Koenig and Sophie Lamparter, available on our website. With videos, text breakdowns, and lots of free resources, 
Pascal and Sophie take you through the entire fundraising journey in 10 exciting phases. Learn more at swisspreneur.org forward slash fundraising. And I also wonder, you know, alcohol is quite expensive if you buy it at the store. Mm -hmm. I also wonder if you compare the production process, is it cheaper to produce your uh, drinks, mm -hmm. basically, which are alcoholic but non-alcoholic? Or are they the same price because of the ingredients, etc.? It's not much yeah. cheaper. Uh, one would think that it must be cheaper. No? And the consumer expects that it's cheaper. Right. So with many consumer interviews, everyone thought, ah, but it should, a gin and tonic cost maybe in Zurich 14 francs, and then an alcohol-free one should be 12 francs or something. Right. It's always 10, 20%. Uh, cheaper. However, the production uh, is actually much more complicated. It, it, it does um, take more effort. Uh, in our case, it's twice distillation. You can already imagine you need of to course. touch things uh, twice at least. Uh, we do need even needs to to make it uh, uh, the shelf life with, with pasteurization and so on uh, more more long longer. So yeah, it, it's a, it's a bigger effort. However, to be fair, uh, we don't have to pay the taxes, the alcohol taxes, that, that gives okay. us a bit, uh, that, that gives us again a, a parity to alcohol. Yeah, because otherwise that would be a real challenge, right? If you have higher costs to produce it, because it's like two-time distillation, etc. Mm -hmm. But then people have the perception that it should be cheaper. Mm -hmm. That would be a tough market. But it is, but it is still, I mean, we, 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 we get still some questions sometimes of people, hey, but hey, come on, why, why we are, are we so expensive? Uh, First, people don't really know how much uh, a gin costs, for example. So the comparison right. is always difficult. Some people know, but uh, we, are, we, are, we are indeed 20% less expensive than the, the premium gins, for example. So at the end, if you explain, and then explain in Switzerland, beer botanicals, double distillation, it just takes the effort to make a great product. Right. Then the taste decides. If they like it, then they pay sure. it. Uh, if not, then uh, anyway, we, you lost. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And who are actually your typical customers who, who purchases your product? Um, so it's difficult to say, actually. We, we know, of course, that age and, and, and sort mm -hmm. of uh, and the gender. But at the end, we I expected it probably would, would be more more uh, women at the end. I expected that it's uh, uh, very young people. But at the end, it's uh, 30, 30, even 35 to 45 is probably the core. And then the, 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 the wide one is 30 to 55. And 50-50 uh, male and female. Uh, that's nice. great, actually. And... And then, but then it's not the anti, the people who don't drink alcohol at all. It's actually more people that the, the moderate drinkers or the, the mindful drinkers mm -hmm. who, who sometimes want to to reduce uh, alcohol, uh, even in the in the same evening. The, you start with a sure. non-alcoholic aperitif and then take a bottle of wine during the dinner, for example. It's yeah. a typical uh, evening of a, a typical rebellious evening. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's great. So let's also talk about a few challenges that you faced so far, obstacles that you had to overcome. Mm -hmm. The first one usually to get started, you know, you need inventory, you need to, mm -hmm. to build, to, to produce products. So you need funds, right? Mm -hmm. So fundraising, you did a bit of a different way. So instead of raising a pre-seed round, you actually launched a crowdfunding campaign mm -hmm. in November 2020. Mm -hmm. And you actually reached your goal in just 11 hours. That's crazy. How did you do that? That was fantastic. That was uh, first of all, of course, a proof of concept in, in marketing lang uh, in, in startup language, but but also highly rewarding and motivating. Uh, it's 
we we knew that we wanted to connect with with the with the community or these people through a crowdfunding campaign. It's not mm -hmm. only about uh, getting the investments or uh, get, getting the money. It, it's about uh, testing the product. It, it's about testing the, the waters basically, and and. Uh, uh, potentially get early fans on board and we gave it a try but we also uh, prepared uh, like uh, we did a lot of work for preparation a, a cool video a very clear story uh, pictures and, and 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 then just activate your crowd sure <laughs> every each and everyone you met along <laughs> your life not just along your uh, last two years like in your life uh, try to reach out to them and, and say what you're doing and then uh, hopefully they support and then they do and then then the the magic happens then you uh, the, Second day, we didn't we didn't know the people anymore who, well, who, who bought our our bottles. Yeah. But did he expect such a great result? Like, was that always, of course, the plan? Probably, but did he expect it to be to go that way? I no, I, I was hoping, but I was I was I remember I was very nervous. That's why we also did a sort of a, you can do different levels. You can have a, so we we wanted to to raise twenty thousand. We thought, okay, let's do a ten thousand uh, sort of hurdle first uh, mm -hmm. to reach. Uh, but uh, that it was not necessarily at the end, but it was just a bit of protection for peace of mind, potentially, that we don't fail. Again, sure. fail, but it's, it's not the right uh, word, but ne nevertheless. Uh, we didn't expect it, we hoped it, and, and we, that's, that's why we did uh, probably more efforts than uh, when we thought would have thought it's, a, it's an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's also a good reminder, right, to make a crowdfunding campaign successful, you really need to activate the people, mm -hmm. the crowd, as you said. You mm -hmm. really need to put that effort into it, otherwise it's not going to work. No, it doesn't happen uh, by themselves. You cannot just put it on the platform and then it happens and no money yeah. really looks for you. You need to activate the people you know and then the people they know, they know. <laughs> True. Yeah. But then earlier in 2022, in February, you actually closed the 1 million seed funding round. Mm -hmm. So why was it then the right time or the right strategy to then still go for the traditional equity funding um it's a good question at, at the end we we and at the beginning of this interview we, we talked about is it the right timing or or not for this for this category for our brand uh, we know that we need to keep up the speeds uh, or even accelerates to to uh, to have a chance in the markets especially mm -hmm. internationally and that's we decided that we cannot do that with bootstrapping we need we need more fund that we can invest in marketing, uh, invest in bigger productions, and, and so that we sort of always pre-invest in order then to, then to do the sales. And, and that's, that's, that's why we needed funding. And, and, and also, I mean, uh, I'm super happy with the people we got on board. We, we get some experience on board, no? some, some committed experience, which hopefully help us also to open some doors or open some markets. Uh, yeah, that was the reason. Was it difficult to raise that one million seed round, or was it easier than expected for you? Uh, contrary, like like the dif more difficult than expected, okay. or maybe not than expected. I knew that it will be difficult. I, I hope that it, got, it will be get a bit faster, but it took uh, a few months le longer than we expected or hoped. Uh, but that's that's always it. Always takes a bit longer and costs a bit more, uh, and, and it uh, was the same for us. So like lots of pitching uh, and a lot of. Uh, trying to find uh, other investors and talking to people. Yeah. What was your biggest challenge there? Often I hear from startups that they say, everybody says they like our case, but nobody wants to give us the first commitment. Mm -hmm. what, what, were you in a similar situation or what was the biggest challenge for you there? 
Yeah, I, it's, it was indeed difficult to have. Oh, we have a, we had an early commitment. Uh, one of the, our investors was actually one of the first one to say yes, but he nice. is not the lead investor. So it's, there's all, always someone who I could uh, refer to and say, hey, we have sure. someone on board, a respected uh, <laughs> senior leader. Uh, but then you need to have somebody, somehow a, a lead investor uh, because not he needs to do the work, he needs to do the due diligence and so on. And, and, and then if you then find somehow a, a respected lead investor, people think, okay, if this this person invests mm -hmm. with this experience, then probably it's a good thing. And then yeah. there's a momentum happening. As of a sudden, uh, we got last minute investors to, to actually then fill the million. Nice. Uh, at the very last minute almost. Yeah. So it really is, you know, developing this momentum to mm -hmm. then fill up the round and uh, yeah. be able to close it. Yeah. And then always also be authentic. I mean, uh, for the my, my for me, it's very important that, we, and also for Yannick, that we, we we stay like we are. That we don't try to pretend something. We were always very transparent, what we with our successes, but also open about uh, the challenges. Uh, and, and that's probably then give yeah, like this. You build probably trust, uh, and, and vice versa. I want to hear the same or uh, from the investors. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And one of these challenges I could imagine is once you have then developed and produced the product is you also have to distribute and sell it, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you sell that? Because you do both, you do B2B and B2C. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember uh, when the first lockdown happened that, uh, of course, forced us to, to, to rethink probably the, 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 the channel strategy. Uh, and it forced us to, to think more also towards online. It was always clear that we wanted to do, sell our products also online, but uh, but it was then uh, as a sudden a, a bigger important important. Uh, but then uh, and we decided to do a multi-channel strategy that we try to be available as in, in as, as much as many touch points as possible. Uh, and we decided to, to find partners to, that we don't go to, to, to every bar ourselves, to every wholesale mm -hmm. ourselves, or, or every retail ourselves. We still do that. But we have a distributor who basically has a sales force uh, and has the, nice. the, the, the team basically to, to go in the, to, to, to all the channels in Switzerland. And how does that work? Is that something that you also have to you know, pay them to do that? Or do they get paid just on the sales that they generate? Or how does that exactly work with the distributor? With the distributor, basically, you, you sell, the, uh, sell your product at the, at the price, which yep. enables him to, to earn a margin to, with the, the, the prices. Okay. He resells the products to, to, the, to the next uh, channels, basically. Perfect. Yeah, and that's, that there's also models like uh, that you pay someone to, to go out and, and with every bottle sold, so you get uh, one, two francs for potentially. Right. But uh, that's the organized one is, of course, the, the margin game. Every, every, everyone uh, at, the, at every level should have a decent margin uh, which, with which uh, he or she is uh, happy with. Yeah, otherwise the incentives are not yeah. right. Yeah. And why should they push you, right? Yeah, yeah. Same. If if you think we we don't earn enough, then we're not motivated. If they think they they are right. exploited, then they they're not motivated. Yeah. So that's your B two B part, mm -hmm. where you actually have the gastro and the retail part that you cover there. Mm -hmm. Then you also have your own online store. Mm -hmm. How do they look like in relations? You know, how many percentage do you sell over your own online store, and how much do you do? Uh, B2B. It's interesting. So far, it's like a, a third, a third, a third. Like uh, okay. all, all the channels we have, like the, the online off, uh, and the, the on-trade, like the gastronomy and the off-trade is like 30% each. The potential of the of the off-trade is, is bigger, of course. If you go to yeah. big channels, then you have a huge upside. Sure. 
And online, we're also still exploring. Uh, we're ho hoping to get much bigger there. But it's so far, it's like a equal shares. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, you know, online, you, you are not alcoholic, so you mm. don't contain any alcohol. Does that make it easier for you to advertise your product? Because I know for many platforms, you're not allowed to do ads on alcoholic beverages. Yeah. It is easy. Well, we can do every uh, advertisement which we want, so we're not restricted. Nice. Somehow, Google and Facebook still has algorithms, <laughs> algorithms in place if they see a gin bottle. Yeah. Because we look like a gin yeah, bottle, uh, they, they, yeah. they first uh, sort of stop us, but then we need to say, hey, we're, but we're the contrary, we're alcohol free. And exactly. Yeah, at the end, it's, and you, we can show people, they can show emotions, uh, which, which uh, alcoholic brands are not allowed to. And if you look at the margins, I assume if you can sell it directly through your own online store, it's probably a better business for you. That, yeah, of course, yeah, it's the direct, the direct to consumer, so it's the, the margin there is better. Uh, however, also the effort is, is then, of course, uh, a bit True. bigger because you also need a partner. It's not that we, we have a fulfillment center, uh, uh, yeah. you need to pay them as well, so it's also a margin game. Exactly. And in the future, which focus would you like to set? Do you aim to push your own online store or do you prefer to go more the B2B side? Both. Both. It always, so the online store will, all, will always be under our protection, our, our leads. Uh, we want to give that in, uh, out of our hands. And it's also a, a means, uh, a possibility to, to build our brand. Yep. Uh, but we need to have uh, a distributor in every country or, uh, or like a, a partner uh, for the sales you know, of, of and offline, basically. And we, that's yeah. what we're currently looking in the different countries which we are uh, exploring, like Germany, Benelux, and Nordics, that we find partners to work with us. That was exactly my next question, mm -hmm. because Switzerland is a great starting point, right? But you probably also have to go international. Mm -hmm. So are you already, you already look into these mm -hmm. markets? Are you already live in some of the markets? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Switzerland will always be our home country and always be important and actually not a bad market, of course, but it's, it's sure. small. Uh, it's small. And, and we knew from the beginning they wanted, we want to go international, uh, at least Europe we want to uh, uh, be successful in. And we are since, since a month now. Absolutely. Now, if you look at where you stand today, you sold more than 17,000 bottles. You are available in more than 150 bars, hotels and stores. Mm -hmm. We just talked about the international expansion, but what's next for you? What do you have on your roadmap? What you want to do? Maybe new products or something also, else? I mean, for sure, we have now a nice range with, with, with uh, which people like, and, 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 and we got some awards for them as well. So we we think we have a, a good product range already, uh, and that's important now to to expand that into other countries. So that's the, the yeah. key priorities, or expand to the more channels also in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. But uh, but it also makes sense to to launch new new spirits alternatives to to to, to be able to mix even more cocktails uh, without alcohol and that's we're currently doing very exciting again sort of uh, uh, the new product development is happening right now and hopefully launch quite soon some some new uh, alternatives uh, so basically expanding into into new channels and then new countries and uh, and also expanding the the product range is, is key. Can you already share which uh, spirit replacement that we can expect from you? Um, yeah, let's 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 keep it a, a secret for the moment. Okay. It, it, there are some obvious ones. I mean, just look at what what what's, uh, what people drink for aperitif sure. and so on. You can imagine potentially which okay. ones. Uh, we stay just, tuned. Uh, we will, I will <laughs> update you as soon as possible. Fantastic. <laughs> Now, something that we also always like to ask our guests is some personal resources and gadgets recommendations. 
So do you have any books, blogs, podcasts that you can recommend to our listeners? Um, a good one. I mean, I, I not necessarily a, a blog or a book, but I follow and I'm in touch with several startup startup networks mm -hmm. like uh, Food Hack, Crowd Foods. Um, follow your 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 podcast for course as Great. well. And I think it's for me it's important to be in touch with people because yeah. you have a small team or at the beginning even no team. So you need to make sure you have people you can uh, refer to, build an advisor network as well. So that's important. Yeah. So exchanging amongst peers to yeah. help each other yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. And now for the very last part, we have some rapid fire questions for you. So mm -hmm. I either give you a short question or different options to choose from. Okay, cool. And you have to answer in one sentence. Mm. You ready? Okay, ready. If you had to choose one for the rest of your life, chin, room or aperitif? I always loved chin, so probably it's, it's chin. I love all of them with, uh, of our products, but chin is, is my favorite go-to drink. Fantastic. And what is your favorite drink recipe? Very simple, chin and tonic. Uh, and the second one, if I can add of one, course. is, is an, an, a Negroni version, an alcohol-free Negroni version, like the Negroni. Nice. Yeah. Brand manager at a big corporate or emerging entrepreneur? Ah, second, second one. Easy choice. I would do the same again like I did. I mm -hmm. loved my brand's the manager time, uh, but but uh, it's very fulfilling to do your own enterprise. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What was the worst hangover you ever had in your life? <laughs> uh, well, I must admit there were a few of them. So uh, I don't remember a particular one, but I remembered, uh, I noticed that uh, the older I get, the worse the hangover will Okay. We'll get. That's probably also the reason. So you need less and less alcohol, but the hangover remains yeah, the same. <laughs> At least the same, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the last one for you, um, you know, for many people, alcohol can be a bad habit. So mm. I wonder what's one bad habit that you wish you could quit? Ooh, um, well, probably I, I tend to be uh, almost in the last minute. So I, I should leave the house a bit earlier <laughs> that I don't uh, have to stress all the time. Uh, I'm also a bit too optimistic with time. So maybe. Well, today you were very much on time. It was actually me who was right, running a bit yeah, late. Five yeah. minutes before, I was proud, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> so great job. Christoph, thank you so much for stopping. It was a pleasure Thanks talking to you and lots of success and all the best for the future. Thank you very much for the inviting. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.